that CMO Confidential Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. I'm Mike Linton, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Rashad Tabakawala. Today's topic, a leading marketing thinker and futurist talks about what's next, part do. Right. So, so, so let's, let's write, let's take this from the consumer perspective. We, you just said, here's Web3 and it's sitting yeah. on blockchain, it's AI, it's all this stuff. It used to be the consumer go in, type their search words or whatever, get their homework, you yep. know, or get directed to a page through SEM or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's going to happen in the future when all this stuff, when Web 3.0 works and blockchain and all this are in place? So yeah, here's the thing. First of all, it's already working and working really well. And it's without working without people needing to basically be involved in buying crypto or starting a wallet. Okay. Yeah. I've seen many examples. And one of the things that I do is even though I've quote unquote, stop being an employee of anything. I get trained every week by some of the best engineers, okay, yeah. including in my old place of work. Um, and I'm seeing some incredible stuff where you are actually giving someone just your email and they translate that into an identity utilizing a wallet, okay? Without you having to do any of that thing. They do the whole thing in the back. So that's what's happening. Is what what basically will happen is it'll be very easy. So where where is this world going? The world is basically going to the fact that what what every consumer wants is SAVE. Give me a solution versus asking me to solve a problem. I'm not interested in solving a problem. I just want the solution. Make it extremely accessible, which is easy. Provide some sort of value. And I want to have a great experience. Okay. And what is basically happening is increasingly that is exactly what GPT 4 did or G Chat GPT, right? It gave me answers. It was easy. I didn't need to know code or anything. I just typed in something. Right. Right. It provided some form of value. It saved a lot of time and it was an easy experience. Now the experience gets better and better. For those of you who haven't used it, you know, at some particular stage, you had to like, put these things in different places. So if you, if I wanted a picture, I had to go to DALI 2. If I wanted some answers, I needed to, word answers, I would go to ChatGPT. Not everything is integrated, right? So you basically get the video output, the picture output, the audio output, the everything all at the very same time. So where you're basically now seeing is, I would tell marketers, Take the building blocks of AI to significantly improve your customer experience. Right, but this also says, get, help me if I'm getting this wrong, size is gonna matter a lot because if you don't have a lot of size or a lot of access to data at least, 
doing this is going to be pretty tough. Yes or no? Or you're going to have a lot of companies sitting in the middle accessing all this data for you. How's that going to work? Okay, so I think the answer is yes and no. Okay, and I'll explain to you why. Uh, I believe that with the exception of certain industries like chip making and a few like that require to create these models, uh, you've always needed to have like lots of both capital or lots of large data sets. Now what's basically beginning to happen is there are new kinds of approaches and you know, you'd mentioned my podcast. The next week's podcast guest is a leading AI thinker who yeah. basically explains how small is where the future is. Okay. That what's basically happened is you need these large language models when you're trying to boil the ocean. Right. But if you're trying to solve a small problem, you need very focused data. Yeah, all you need is the information around that problem. You yeah, you you you, you just need very focused data. Yeah. Right. So that's number one. Number two is there is open source and the future is about open source. Some of these large companies are making big noises because they want to control shit, right? But 95% yeah. of all software, if not 99% of all software is written by open is written in open source. So yeah. open source, if you want to keep things safe, you got to actually have it open source. You want to keep it very mysterious and unsafe, you have closed, right? Yeah. So the future is open source. Now, open source is now only three months behind closed source. So all the billions of dollars, that have basically been spent on only let's, for a three month lead for a three month lead. A so a company lead. like from coming out of France called Mistral, right? They are better than GPT 3.5 already. Okay. And they're basically open source. So what's going to happen is you and me and a dog named Boo are going to have amazing tools, <laughs> very cheap. That right? is a reference to a song from a long, long time ago. ago. Yeah. So we're going to basically have things very cheap. Now, obviously, if you're a large organization with lots of data, with lots of engineers, with lots of stuff, you could utilize these things probably in better ways. But I don't believe that outside of like chip making and a few other places, you really are going to have big barriers to entry. And I, it's one of the reasons why I, you know, I, I mean, this year, this week, one of the things I'm going to be doing is speaking to a couple of companies. But one of the key things is because my basic belief is most companies believe that there are advantages to scale. And right. I believe which, there which, are increasingly. No, it's not going to be true. And, in a and I believe there are massive diseconomies to scale in most cases. Yeah. Okay. And and that's going to become particularly true in this age. So so one is think you know improve your experience utilizing both AI. Think about you know AI and its impact on cookies, SEO, SEM. Think about wallet slash Web three, even though it's done easily on that. And then the last thing that I would basically also think about, as I mentioned, is, okay, how are all these companies going to make money? Right. Right. Now, one of the key things is the reason why the stock prices of the incumbents have gone up is the real value to size of these companies is not the size of their budgets, the size of their data. I think the real importance of size is the size of their customer bases, okay? Which is what tends to happen is if everyone can do AI, what's hard is to basically find a way to incorporate AI and sell it or add more for it. So, you know, when Microsoft, which has just recently become probably the most valuable company in the world, right. 
one of the reasons is they're going to charge more for those who want co-pilot for everybody who has a, a, a Office 365 right. stuff, right? And as much as they've got Azure and as much as that they've got lots of market cap, the fact that they've got all these hundreds of millions of people, right? So that's what's basically happened. So I would say if you're a large marketer, think about your addressable audience as your scale benefit and not necessarily your budget or your data size as the scale benefit. This is super interesting because we had Oren Hoffman on the show, the the, uh, the founder of LiveRamp, who's also right. now working in AI. And he said one of the biggest skills he sees uh, as important for, for a lot of companies is vendor management here because you're not going to be able to hire all of this. You're going to have to rent it. And the ability to rent it correctly is a big deal. Yeah. Do you agree with that or not? I do. So here's what I believe. I believe that every smart company now needs to recognize that they have to follow an octopus strategy. Ah, the old okay. octopus strategy. Let's the old octopus is. strategy. So the octopus strategy is the octopus's center or the brain to a certain extent should still be kept very close to the marketer, right? Right. But that doesn't mean in-housing everything, keeping everything in-house, keeping everything secret. That's not what it means. It basically means if you do that, you don't have any tentacles, right? If you don't have any tentacles, you can't grip the future. If you don't have tentacles, you can't sense the future. And the nice thing about octopus tentacles, if a particular tentacle isn't turning out to be so good, you cut you it off and one. you grow a new one, right? And my whole stuff is the everybody keeps asking for, is it black or white? And the answer is both. Yeah. Right. And the octopus recognizes it. It does its processing in its head. It sends out information to the tentacles. It gets information from the tentacles back. Right. And how it moves all of its tentacles in tandem is this whole, whether it's partner management, vendor management, supplier management. So this is this is uh, building on a couple of our earlier shows, I think, really apropos, because what it's it, kind of the theory is don't outsource strategy and deep thinking but do outsource everything else you can because trying to hire for it yeah, is yes, really it, moving too fast and you're not going to be the best at it. So you should yeah, figure yeah, it yes. out. Yeah. Exactly. So here's what basically happens is you want to keep a few people in-house on some of these things just to have them as part of the brain. Yeah. You want to vertically integrate deeply into these things. Most companies make no sense. And I'll tell you why. And if they made sense a year ago, they don't make sense a year from now. Okay. Reason number one is the world is becoming far more fragmented than people thought it was. So initially when a lot of in-housing was going on is people thought there was going to be like Meta and Google and a couple of other companies to work with. That is That game is over, right? Uh, even when I was at this CES, you know, the new stuff is all on the margins, the Reddits, the Snaps, the you know, right. there's lots of other stuff. So that's number one. So you've got many, many, many people to worry about. That's number one. Number two, which is as as important, is this is sort of aligned with the future of, you know, I mean, where my next book is, which is the future of work. I believe in an AI age, talent will matter even more, not less. Okay, I think talent will matter even more, not less. Okay, and and to a great extent, and and, and in fact, you know. PNG has a signal blog and they asked to take my writing and put it in there because they really believe that talent matters more in the future than less. 
And what tends to basically happen is talent is, as they say, not evenly distributed. It's all over the place, right? And forcing people to work for one company 100% of the time in the future will be difficult, even if the world was what it is, because of new generational economics, COVID, distributed work, side gigs, side hustles. It's going to be very hard for world-class and, companies and, to get world-class talent. Thing, dude, if you want right. to be the best at it, yeah. If you want to be it's the like best the agency it, thing, if I want to be the best creative, it's tough to be an in-house creative. I need to be a creative working right. on a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and exactly. that's going to happen all over. Yeah, yeah. And the other one, by the way, which I don't think most marketers and business people understand, not, I don't think they don't understand. They do, but marketers and business people that we often deal with are like myself or like you. In fact, they're much more elegant and smarter than me for sure. But they're younger than me. That's the thing I found out because I've become I'm, seasoned. I'm really mad about that too. A lot okay. of people are younger. Okay. Than so, but 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 one of the key things I try to remind them is yes, while they're younger than me, they're still quite seasoned, or you know, yeah. right? That there's a new generation that doesn't want to be like them, right? And what has happened is a new generation wants optionality. They do not want to be beholden to one company. They've seen too much, including now the technology company people. You know, the technology company people, the Googles, the Amazons, everybody says, oh, we love the place. You go talk to them right now and they yeah, say, what they the shit? The place. Yeah. Okay. So I've always, the, the most, one of the most popular things I've ever written is called a company of one, which is, I said, if you do not know how to operate like a company of one, your company will take advantage of you. So if I'm a marketer or an agency person, this means I need to be managing, uh, I need to really have an octopus strategy for talent as well. You need an octopus strategy for talent. And that is eventually what management is supposed to be. I'll tell you something that management slash management used to be, or many people think management is about allocating, delegating, monitoring. Okay. So I allocate budgets, I delegate tasks, and I monitor. Much of that's going to be done better by machines. Okay. Yeah. What you're going to have to be is a maker, a creator, a builder, and a mentor. And those are the skill sets you're going to require. Right? A maker, yeah. creator, and probably a lifelong learner, but that's a given. Yeah, okay. well, the curiosity and learning thing, if you yeah. don't have that, you can't be a very good octopus leader. Yeah, and and you never arrive. You know, my whole basic belief is if someone basically says, like, I know stuff, and my whole stuff is, hey, listen, I stop working full time and I spend two hours a day still learning just so that I can fool people that I know stuff. I don't yeah. even have a real job. You Imagine someone who has a real job who isn't actually investing time to continuously learn, right? It's moving so fast that you can't pretend. You can't delegate your learning to somebody I else. Agree. Yeah. Look, I'm taking a, a AI course online because I'm like, all right, I got to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's pretty interesting. Hey, uh, so top one or two predictions for 2024 that we haven't talked about so far. All right. So I would say my first prediction for 2024 is that uh, I believe that a lot of marketers are going to recognize that the future of AI is about organizational design. Nice. Right? It's it's good that 
that they, they thought that they were solving for technology and that they're actually solving for people. People and, and outcomes, right. People, right. outcomes, right? Which yeah. is which, right, which which was already squishy. They were already having squishy problems with that. Now that's become the that that's the number one. And then I would say my prediction number two is one of the things I've learned as a supposed futurist is you have to be humble because you're often wrong. Yeah. Is my prediction number two is there's going to be something happening in 2024 we don't know yet. All right. Well, that's that's a good. I thought you're going to predict that your first prediction was wrong, which no, 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 no. My first uh, prediction yeah, is not right. wrong. <laughs> but, but but there's something that we because here's what happens is, you know, I'll give you an idea. If in January of last year or in December of last year, you had basically yeah. said that AI was going to be dominant this year, right, and people weren't thinking about it, or that there was going to be a significant backlash to DEI. Right. You would have said that's not possible. Right. And that's exactly what happened. AI soared and DI has become a very sensitive issue. Right. And and if you watch this, you know, there, there, there's a lot of chum in the water for a lot of more stuff to happen this year. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so we're running towards the end of the show. And as we've agreed that uh, we'll have you back every six months to talk about what is happening. But practical advice for our listeners or Funny story, you can pick one or both um, b- before we close. I would say practical advice for listeners is what I'd say. I'll give you them three pieces of practical advice. Number one is uh, please try to invest an hour every day to learn. Just if there's anything you don't know, just think about it. Ask people around you, learn about it. Even if you're like half learning, just that mindset helps you become better. That's number one. Number two Many of you are very significantly powerful leaders, uh, you know, men and women all over the world and in the United States. Be be aware of the fact that a lot of that, even though you think you're very cool and easily approachable, many people are scared to death of you, right? Yeah. Therefore, try to try to build a case often for the exact opposite of what either people are recommending to you or what you believe, because a lot of people, because of your power you know, give you answers that you want. And at some particular stage, you start to believe that you're... Yeah, that you're right all the time. No, yeah, the way I basically say is you start to believe that your flatulence smells like Chanel 5, which it doesn't, okay? Uh, so that's sort of the second one. And the third one, and this is very, very important, is I see a lot of senior management and managers, and I get to work with really smart people. So I learn every day, even though I'm supposed to be advising them. But one of the things that's become so hard these days that I always say, practice kindness to yourself. Yeah. Okay. Because a lot of people are beating themselves up. Don't do that because you got to be kind. That's it. All right. Well, I know you're heading off today to on a on a trip to so have a great trip. Sure. Um, thank you, Rashad, and thanks for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for more of our shows, including the one with Oren Hoffman on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Other shows include a venture capitalist talks about AI. What I learned as New York City's first ever CMO under Michael Bloomberg. Could I, would I, should I leave? And big data, the MarTech stack and vendor management. That is the Oren Hoffman show. Uh, talking about a lot of the stuff we talked about today. Hey, all you marketers, be safe out there. This is Mike Linton signing off for CMO Confidential.